Ladies and gentlemen, the chair now recognizes Lawrence King, Jr., a member of the Nebraska delegation, for the singing of the national anthem. And we are pleased to welcome a very special guest, author of The Franklin Scandal and Confessions of a DC Madam and uh, The Truth About Watergate, Nick Bryant. Welcome to the show. Glad to be on your show, guys. Um, yeah, thanks for coming. Yeah, I'm. I said before we started that I'm a little starstruck to be talking to you. Like uh, this is uh, very exciting for me to get to ask you questions and talk to you about your work because just uh, just to get out front of this, um, uh, Nick has done like some of the most groundbreaking and like uh, honestly a most amazing journalism work done in the last. 30 years certainly and i would say as far as integrity goes is up there uh all time in my opinion um so not to wash your balls too much nick um <laughs> uh, but i just gotta say but, just but your sure work there are people that would disagree with you so yeah well they're they're feds <laughs> <laughs> um but uh nick so uh the franklin scandal is uh i just finished reading it um uh, for the like the definitive time for for the show, and I have so many questions, but um, uh, I guess what what should we start with, William? Uh, well, I wait to I feel like I'm dominating uh, this. Yeah, well, when I first read it, I've just read it again. Uh, but the uh, when I first read it, I was also reading "Program to Kill" by Dave McGowan. I was just wondering uh -huh. how you, how what if you got any comments to make about how they overlap because it's very just considerable very overlap, mind blowing when you're reading both of them at the same time. Yeah, that would uh, spark some nightmares for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Program to Kill has got some amazing scholarship in it. Yes, um, 
the way that Dave pulled together all these serial killers and showed that a lot of them had had a uh, prior existence, either in the the Phoenix program or or yeah. some kind of MK Ultra program, right? And that's pretty amazing. We both uh, focus. He focused on the Finders early on in Program to Kill, and and I also focused on the Finders. Yeah. And I think of Dave's four books, Program to Kill is by far his best. Mm. It's the only one of his I've read. I, and it's, uh, yeah, I've read two of his books, a, and I do find it to be the better of the two that I've read, in my opinion. Um, it's kind of, it alters the way you look at the world, doesn't it? How does that sit with you? I, I mean, I listen to your pod, podcast regularly. Same. And uh, I know that, well, you are the consummate journalist, and you... you you're very good at getting different kinds of sources to open up, open up to you by not arguing with them or contradicting with them or whatever. And, you know, I, I, I get that. The but, very uh, professional interview style, I, yes, which I respect. Which is very rare and which you're not going to get here. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, it certainly doesn't make me much money, but I'm glad that yeah. there are people enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. So, um so yeah, I've heard you say on there uh, that you th you you th and I think you kind of frame it that way in the book, and I you know I get it, but but the uh, you see it as like a corrupt subset of the federal government that's that's carries on in the ways detailed in the Franklin scandal and commits these covers up covers up covers up. Well, I, I guess that works, but. I it would seems say that like... it's a dark, there's, there's a dark malignant corner of the government yeah. that does this. So I'm sure that there are lots of people that work for the CIA that don't even have a clue about things like Franklin and Program to Kill and actually sure. probably don't even realize that Epstein is an intelligence operation. Mm. Um, yeah. And I'm sure that there are a lot of people in the FBI. However, I know that there are people it, when I was working on the Franklin scandal, there were a couple of people in the Department of Justice that I cultivated. Right, right. And Good they guys. knew, and they knew what was going on. But they, I had to cultivate a relationship with them for two years before they trusted me. They knew what was going on, but they also had good jobs. Yeah, right. And um, they did not want. I mean at the very worst to get canned and not be able to make their mortgage payments or house payments their kids college yeah all those things and but that's, it could be but it could be worse than that too so yeah yeah i mean that's um, that what the first thing you were talking about there the sort of financial barrel everybody's over right. is precarity state of sense of precarity yeah yeah it's a key component of how this system works in which things right. like this can be got away with and then there's a lot of people who will make Faustian packs, not necessarily because they're compromised, but because they want power. Right. They want prestige, right. money, power, and prestige. That drives a lot of people. Yeah, like the social psychology of just getting getting to the top of a tree or as close to the top of the tree as they can get. And they there don't care what kind of tree it is. Obedience to authority experiment. Yeah. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Oh, yeah. But it... Um, the there zapping, were, they zap people and then they yeah, actually had an and, actor and pretending to because yeah because they couldn't answer the right question and then the subjects would have to incrementally go up on the right. electricity 
And at the end, they thought they were delivering uh, lethal doses of electricity because the, the person on the other side of the wall couldn't answer questions. And yeah. people would say, well, that wouldn't be me. That wouldn't be me. But right. actually, 68% of the individuals, they were males between 25 and 50, delivered a lethal dose of electricity because someone told them to. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and another thing I wanted to say is like I all those ac accolades I gave you a minute before, which, by the way, I stand by, of course. But uh, and I would say that I would be remiss to mention that you were you've, for all that hard work and integrity that I mentioned before that you have your reward for this is not a star is not. And I'm not I don't mean this. Don't take this the wrong way. It's not being like the cover of, you know, you didn't win the Pulitzer for this. You're talking to <laughs> us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is shameful is that is how your industry has treated you in spite yeah. of all the work and integrity that you've you've displayed um that brings us on to onto like the lengths they've had to go to to silence you i mean I, yeah i'm just glad they didn't go further but like for instance there's no wikipedia entry for larry king which is so just true. wild yeah well, the wikipedia Entry for the Franklin child abuse allegations is nonsensical. Like yes. Children eating feces and things like that. Um, and if you go to the talk section, it's right on my website. I show just how uh, draconian those right. quote unquote editors are. They're going to it's yeah. it's like Omaha Beach in 1944. They're not they're not going to give an inch. No. Yeah. And I think it's hurt me in Hollywood because people in Hollywood don't read. They just right. Google things. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And then they Google Franklin and then they say, oh, wow, you know, kids eating feces and stuff. Yeah, this, I'm pal pass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, 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 that sort of, this sort of springboards me out to the, another thing that I definitely wanted to get to, which is where is the um, stylishly shot Ryan Gosling as Nick Bryant adaptation <laughs> of <laughs> the Franklin scandal with a hip indie rock soundtrack. Where is that? And why haven't we gotten it yet? <laughs> yeah. I've had a really hard time in Hollywood. I've, yeah. It's generally uh, been the person at the apex of a studio. That is yeah. ultimately I've, I've had a lot of executive vice presidents interested in my work. Right. But and it gets to the big guy it, and they're all compromised. It's always the person at the very top <laughs> that vetoes it. Yep. Yeah, that checks and, out in my brain. <laughs> and that's been very frustrating because I've had executive vice presidents apologize to me. Yeah. Say yeah. I, I really wanted to do this, but um, but my boss just won't let me. Yeah. I, yeah, it, well, it's, uh, it says I have this sort of pet that because we sort of straddle it. We're, we're at the center of a very peculiar Venn diagram, and, and we we have people on the on the show who are kind of interested in comic books and the media that comes off from that. And they they on their shows are always ranting about you know why do they keep making all these updated comic book movies that nobody likes and that don't and that continue to lose billions of dollars and and my take on that is that well that at this point of what i call it whatever you like late stage capitalism or whatever you want to call it the movie studios aren't really there to make money they're actually there to change you that 
we are now the products, like with the you know the data harvesting and all that. Right. And they're just trying we're to. We're the commodity, if you will. Yeah, they're literally. Everything's owned by the same few banks, and they're using their cinematic arm to alter the people into just more effective consumers uh, uh, to secure more debt, ever more unsustainable levels of debt with the bit of real estate that they own. It's uh, six corporations own 90% of the media. Yes. Yeah. That, that Americans are buying. So, and those six corporations are titanic. Yeah. They could easily be broken up with the Sherman Antitrust Act. Right. But there's obviously a detente between those t six conglomerates and the government. Right. I, I believe yeah. anyway. regulatory capture is well, it's obvious. I mean, it's like it works both ways, isn't it? They own the government and the government owns them. It's like a I, I call coined the term uh, global fascism because it's, it's just like fascism, but without the nationalism. We've never uh, there's never been a, a, a government quite like ours. It's an iron fist with a velvet glove. Yeah, yeah we've used that as same metaphor before, yeah, actually. Yeah. <laughs> the, the thing about it is George Orwell was wrong. He said that there was going to be Big Brother. But actually, we have six corporations that own 90% of the media that give me a tremendous amount of choice on television. Right. I mean, I can watch... 500 channels um if i want right yeah. um, a slop but, yes <laughs> but they're owned by a very small number of corporations right. who control and, the, what and i'll take that one step further watch. nick is that the the all those six those nine corporations you mentioned all of their debt is owned by even fewer financial institutions and ultimately yeah. why would the chain why would the chain somewhere along the chain the message change yeah it's at at this point i think we're, uh, america is an empire in decline yeah. yeah and i can't think of the guy's name but his thesis was that when there's an empire in decline there they be, uh that empire becomes fixated on three things snacks sports and food yeah. <laughs> and we certainly seems that way america i mean the nfl is is a religion i mean it's yeah. an opiate um now chefs have their own channels probably pretty soon their own stations yeah and um sex i mean it's off the hook yeah it's well, I mean, it's off the charts <laughs> anybody can tap into uh an almost indefinite supply of pornography with their yeah. iphone Right. I mean, Which, by the way, said, I mean, is just a, there's a nice Venn diagram between the work that you do and the pornography industry. All those people are people who were usually sexual victims of sexual exploitation as children. Well, yeah. the average age of entry into the sex industry is 13 years old. That is horrifying. So, so when guys are watching these porno actresses that are 18 or older, um chances yeah, so, are they're just perpetuating the damage that was done by a pedophile yeah sure, yeah it certainly doesn't look like it's the first rodeo does it it's uh but that is a message that's completely lost on people that yeah. uh that 
children enter the, uh, the yeah. sex industry at 15 years old. You, you are preaching to the converted, by the way, uh, yeah. for, for the record. And like, we are make no bones about our stance on that for sure. Like definitely that is just another arm of the same monster that you got you all of your work is based around, which is just the sexual exploitation of children for profit and power. Well, it's an opiate. Pornography is an opiate. And uh, it I think it might even be more effective than the NFL because it's so ubiquitous. Right. Anybody with yeah, you don't you have to pay to watch the NFL, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> you don't, but <laughs> That is a good point, though. It is free. The pornography is free. I should mention this. This is I've said this before on the show, but Nick, I think you'll appreciate this. Is you know I've said before on the show that I do not view pornography as a choice, um, and I I've noticed in the real, more recent years, like just razor commercials for women's razors have become so graphic. So the yeah. point where I'm like, well, my eyes are popping out of my head, not in a necessarily a good way either. On a, just a commercial that's on been primetime television selling a, pro, a, a women's uh, you know hygiene product, but I think for, to me who I don't look at that stuff, so therefore it's more rare that I see like the that kind of area on a per, on a woman. So. But I think most people are going through their day being like, yeah, I already busted earlier today looking at something way more messed up than this. So, well, I, I can speak to this as like a, a European, sure. as it were, of reasonably advanced years because it, it's changed so much. But when I was a kid and I would go to like just a regular high school, you'd go on a school trip to France. And they had advertising like that in France in the 70s and 80s already, and in Germany. But they like they're like defeated nations that have been marched over by armies, and all the women have been turned into prostitutes that way. Whereas in in England it wasn't like that. And then all of a sudden, at some point in the 90s, hardcore pornography went from being literally illegal and impossible to get to being free and. <laughs> basically compulsory and then in recent years the the british government decided that they were going to appeal to a certain section of the electorate by bringing in restrictions on what on age verification for viewers of pornography on the internet and that they announced it and they said right it starts tomorrow and it just never happened and i think that's the power that that's behind that is that even national governments are powerless to resist this ubiquitous uh, industry thing. industry yeah it's something that people get pornography is highly addictive and people get addicted to it a lot of people get addicted to it yeah. people from all socioeconomic strata get addicted to it and it, i believe that it's a very tough addiction to actually transcend but all addictions are tough uh, yeah. to transcend um but yes it becomes a, a very something that's highly addictive and it and it seems innocuous because it's working through pixels yeah. but it's not innocuous it's um it, it can be uh, very deleterious right agreed um oh, but let's get back to your work though i wanted to do a couple things first of all i want to ask you this i wanted you to weigh in on this i am a firm believer that um the um the gentleman wearing the cowboy hat's name is troy boner um <laughs> but I, i've heard it many times as troy bonner but i do point 
to a piece of evidence contained within your book um, is the affidavit uh, signed uh, given by a member of the Omaha community who had um, he said that he employed several members of the Boner family and he was confused by the news referring to him as Bonner because he always called them Boner. Um, and, uh, th- therefore I, to me, that says that the guy, the name is Troy Boner. Actually it's Troy Bonner. Right? It is. Okay. Um, definitively. I, I've got that from many good sources. So. Okay. Poor Troy. Uh, I, he had yeah. a horrible life and he had a very ugly death. Yes. I, I didn't want to d- diminish any of his experiences. Yeah. Very hard life. In fact, I wanted to bring up specifically a quote from him and his liar die affidavit or was it deposition affidavit affidavit. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of this quote really, really struck me. Um, for those, uh, I mean, let's just, I'll give a brief intro to it, but Troy, uh, Bonner definitively, um, was one of the uh, child prostitutes employed by uh, Lawrence E. King Jr.'s uh, interstate pedophilia and drug ring, uh, prostitution ring. Um, and uh, he uh, had been compelled by the federal authorities to withdraw his uh, allegations of uh, his experiences uh, in order to help uh, convict uh, Alicia Owen of perjury, false, even though she was telling the truth. Um, and uh, at some point after her conviction, he had a change of heart and he made a statement to jo- uh, former Senator John DeCamp uh, about um, how he was recanting his recantation. Uh, and it was, it's loosely referred to as the liar die affidavit. And one of the quotes in it uh, was um, that he said, and this really hit, hurt, hit me very emotionally, was he was talking about, um, you, you're probably going to say, like, why should we listen to you? I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Um, but, uh, you know, we, I, I'm a drug addict. I've been convicted of crimes. Uh, I've, uh, you know, I've, I've done sexual favors for money. Um, but I want you to know that the, like the people who did this to us made us sexual perverts and, and, uh, made us addicted to drugs. And, um, that is, is, it's so heartbreaking to see like a a guy who was so conflicted over whether he was going to tell the truth or not. And ultimately like just, uh, you know, the, the raw fear of intimidation by the federal government, uh, and the FBI was enough to just scare him away from his better, th- what he obviously had in him, the conscience to know that he had to tell the truth. Um, but, uh, it's just so heartbreaking that he, uh, that that happened. It, it was, uh, well, actually he had, after he'd written that affidavit, he was Alicia Owen and right. her husband and the In Owens Shanghai. and John DeCamp were, going we're in the courthouse and troy was going to testify that he had lied uh at the grand juries and also at alicia's trial and all of a sudden he was would have exonerated he was swooped up uh robert ziegler who was the assistant douglas deputy county prosecutor who is now an assistant u.s attorney Many Troy was brought, brought into a room the, the door was locked and troy was told if if you tell the truth you're going to go to jail for perjury and that was the end of troy actually that was the end of his gumption 
Yeah. Um, because when he was called, he just took the fifth. And um, and his life spiraled downward. Uh, his brother died under mysterious circumstances. Yeah. I mean, it's, the family certainly felt that um, that his brother was murdered. And Troy died under very lurid, mysterious circumstances, too. It was... Uh, it's... the when you're talking about networks like that and, and we saw with the epstein network um the kids generally come from dysfunctional families right and then they're turned on to drugs if they perform well so they're 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 be, they become drug addicts they're repeatedly molested they're from dysfunctional families and then at a certain point they lose their marketability their youthful marketability and then they're just expunged and then at that point you've got a drug addict and a felon and who's going to believe a drug addict in a felon? Right. Yeah. Um, against a senator or someone in the cabinet or a cop, uh, a mayor or a yeah. governor, a police yeah. chief, or a police chief. Yes. Right. Yeah. So that it, it's a perfect system that way that these uh, kids go on to compromise their own integrity. Well, it's in, in one of the sort of from the point of view of the perpetrators, one of the beneficial effects of the ordeal that they put these that they subject these children to is that it de facto makes them into an unreliable witness quote unquote yeah it's truly uh truly a, a horrific thing uh we saw it in franklin we've seen it in the catholic church yeah. um we've seen it with epstein uh attack the victim yeah well i i think that it is and Honestly, I we sort of come across a lot of kind of. I mean, I guess we are kind of a right wing conspiracy podcast, but we're not we're not the sort that just buys into everything like you know, right? Flat Earth, what whatever, yeah. Stop eating bread, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they they. So I'm kind of uh, have a knee jerk skepticism towards these. We call them rightoid conspiracy takes. Where, um, and one of those is, oh, this is a, a, a battle of good against evil, and you know, the, this is demonic forces and, and such and such. But from reading your book and, and program to kill, I think there's something to that. I actually think I've come round to that way of thinking. Uh, actually, one of the passages in, in the Franklin scandal that really touched me the last time I read it was where you ascribe in a way that it was Alicia Owen's genuine faith that kind of got her into trouble by making her stick to telling the truth, but it also saved her in a kind of, I mean, to me, she's a bit like a Sarah Weaver type of figure, how she's, she's just come through this with amazing dignity and strength after all that. Yeah. Alicia is an amazing person. Um, most people, would have thrown in the towel and recanted their accounts of their abuse. And the government really tried to punish her by putting her in solitary confinement for right. two years. Brutal. Two years. So, and, that, and that generally deconstructs people psychologically. But yeah. uh, Bradley Manning, she, anyone? She, yeah. But she's got a good life. Uh, she's happily married. Um, she's an amazing person. Yeah. I, I love her deeply. Yeah, she seems yeah, like she cool. came out okay, honestly. And I've seen a couple of your conversations with her on your podcast, and she seems like she's 
has amazing spirits. And I, I have to assume that there is a non-zero amount of that the faith that you have ascribed in, in your book that attributed to that. Yeah, I don't think you can do that without being, without having faith. And, and without, because it's like you're constantly being, it is like a, to get sort of quasi-biblical, it's it's like a constant temptation of you can make this, you Go can make away. this stop, you've just got to play the game. And but sticking to the straight and narrow path of telling the truth is just awesome. And she's like, been through purgatory to uh, and come out of the other side. And it's great to see that she did get come out of the other side by sticking to the truth it, and the, and the way. Well, it's ironic. Uh, the two people that didn't recant Paul Benassi and Alicia Owen have, have been able to forge lives for themselves and yeah. Troy Bonner's dead. And I have no idea where Danny King is, but I wouldn't be surprised if he were dead. And then a lot of the kids that didn't come forward are probably yeah. dead too. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a, I think it's a short life expectancy for anybody who gets into that kind of thing in the first, you know, gets sucked into that kind of thing in, in the first Drugs place. are just a hell of a thing. Honestly, just in my people, yeah. my age group, they weren't involved, to my knowledge, in any sort of interstate pedophilia pimping ring. But I have the a high death rate in people who are in my graduating class just from drugs. So it's a really yeah. and then also, I mean, let's just let's I mean, the, the Franklin scandal is like sort of a Frankenstein's monster created by the CIA, basically. But who do you think brought all the drugs into the country by the way yeah <laughs> well i think that there's a tremendous amount of research in that area although it's really interesting the mainstream media has pretty much stayed away from it sure uh, in america with tom cruise took a step the mockingbird media you think you say <laughs> it took a step towards actualizing i mean barry seal was in the cia long before um the movie said that he was but um, but to bring his story and kind of mix the CIA and um, it's it's a step in the right direction. I mean, yeah. it's 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 not the truth. Right. But it's a step in the right direction. It's at least based on something true. <laughs> yes. Um, based on a true story. I mean, that is the, the meme, isn't it? It's uh, yeah, the story of Barry Seal is uh, it's a pretty interesting story. But again, it's that dark, malignant corner of our government of the u.s government and the british has a dark malignant corner every uh i'm sure that every country has a dark malignant corner of intelligence well i think the british is probably as pervasively dark and malignant as any yeah. intelligence thing can be i mean they from what i understand they deliberately provoke world war one which is what got us into this fine mess we're in now so <laughs> it's not very cool is it but i mean it was without the not without the knowledge of the parliament per se which is supposed to be the supreme power in the uk right, but... yeah when you like with the perfumo scandal in the uk when you when you compromise politicians the way that our politicians have been compromised they're yeah. their own um yeah the whole the, 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 the epstein network the franklin network if you get busted it, or if, uh, i think nick, your sound your sound has got quiet and then gone yeah nick we don't have any sound we from you can't hear you at this moment can you hear me now yes, yes. we can perfectly loud and proud now that. yeah where, where did i uh where did i 
drop off. You were talking about Perfumo and how the politicians are no good if if the well the, the Perfumo scandal. I mean, the sexual blackmail is part of has been part of politics forever. Right, uh, Alexander Hamilton. Yeah, was having an affair with a 23 year old who was right. married, and her husband was blackmailing Alexander Hamilton. Yeah. And he was outed that his affair was outed by a muckraking journalist who thought that Thomas Jefferson, when Thomas Jefferson became president, thought that Thomas Jefferson owed him an appointment for outing Alexander Hamilton. Right. And and Jefferson didn't give him an appointment. And he outed Jefferson for having sex with one of his slaves, Sally Hemings, which <laughs> genetics have shown to be true. Uh, genetic testing has shown to be true. Yeah. yeah. So. It's been around for a long time. Now you've got pinhole cameras, um, which make all the difference in the world. As far as anybody can be compromised just about anywhere. Right. And actually with the, the data mine, too. Yeah. Uh, anybody can be compromised. The Vault, it, 7, uh, uh, the Vault 7 disclosures, where basically they're like, yeah, we have a back backdoor entry to everybody's phone ever, all time, history. Just all we got to do is punch your name in. Yeah. Yeah. And what's really troubling is that Americans are have have put up with this. Yeah, um, they they become so anesthetized; they're they're debt slaves, and they're anesthetized yeah. by television. Sixty percent of them are obese. Um, it's truly unfortunate. I hey, don't come at our audience like that. <laughs> i would say that not more than 40 percent of your audience that is, is a very generous yeah. thing nick we will take that so, <laughs> oh guys are just beautiful yeah they're jacked actually <laughs> so we that's the the problem that we have is this apathy and Agree. Um, and we're gonna have to if if we're gonna change it around we're gonna have to become less apathetic Right. Well, you've had some yes. success with that, with vis-a-vis -vis Larry King, by the way, have you not? Well, I've been able to get him thrown out of organizations that would have had it, given him access to children. Yeah, bravo uh, to that end. That is that yeah. is a heroic act you you did. It's, it's very strange. There are people in the federal government that know that he's a super predator. Of course. But, but yet um, they're completely cool with him accessing children through these various organizations and it's a journalist yeah that has to separate him from molesting children yeah i mean, I mean that shows you how uh ugly it, it's got well, that brings brings us back full circle to sort of uh polishing your balls again <laughs> is that that so, so like you've obviously got the journalistic chops to I mean, I guess you are known all over the world because of the work you've done yourself, but you've had to do it yourself. Like right, the, with no doing help, what, yeah. Doing stuff like you do, which is actually taking the job of being a journalist seriously and just reporting the facts, which is awesome how your book does that. Uh, and I mean, it's, it should be how it's the way it's done by everybody, shouldn't it? But it's it's just so not. It's just sad that... Uh, no, it's the absolute state of you journalism. Do your, you do your job properly and you're punished for it. Well, uh, a good friend of mine was an editor at a major magazine. Right. You mentioned him in and, the book, but you didn't mention the magazine, which is okay. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and he couldn't take it anymore. Really? Yeah. Because the people 
at that magazine, they didn't even know they were on a reservation. He yeah. knew he was on the reservation. Right. Yeah. And, and not just stray off, but it, it, it reached a point. And his boss, and, and I still find this mind boggling to this day, his boss, the editor in chief of a major magazine in the United States of America, a bellwether of liberal thought. Right. Yeah. His boss did not think that people were blackmailed. <laughs> <laughs> wow that is his, absurd <laughs> hasn't he boss, been blackmailed i'm sure <laughs> his boss felt that there was no blackmail whatsoever with jeffrey epstein which wow <laughs> when, when you when you're dealing with that kind of i mean and i don't even think she was compromised she was just ignorant and when you're but you're when you're dealing with that kind of ignorance it you need a certain mindset to excel in the media yeah uh, and I just don't have that. I've I've been a freelance writer for we're coming up on 29 years. I don't know how I've been able to make a living, but I, I somehow have been able to make a living. And um, but I know that I could not join the staff of a magazine of a mainstream magazine. Right. I, I mean, well, they definitely wouldn't hire me. Yeah. But, you wouldn't uh, like it even if they hired me. <laughs> yeah but even if they hired me i i'd probably that you know after after like half an hour an hour they'd yeah say, after a few rejections for proposals for papers you are for uh pieces you wanted to do were, were rejected yeah you'd be like i'm out of here yeah <laughs> oh but man i'm uh, unfortunately i've uh, or fortunately i've just never tried i mean dealing with magazine editors for all the years that I've dealt with them. Of course, I, yeah. And I can, a lot of them just had fear in their eyes. Um, yeah. Because the magazine, uh, if you're uh, editor-in-chief of a magazine in New York City, you're making anywhere from $250,000 a year to over a million dollars Right, so that's like an eight-by-eight sell, basically. Yes. In New York City. And I'm sure that a lot of the people that, are in publishing in New York City are compromised or they're just willing to make a Fausti impact. Um, yeah. A lot of people um, just want, as I said earlier, money, power, and prestige. Yeah, well, so you, you, you've got a, a, a recent-ish book out about, uh, well, I, think it, I think it's actually very recent in England, a book about uh, Watergate. That's coming out in a couple of months. Right. Okay. Right. Yes. Yeah. Well, that be that explains why I haven't read it yet, then, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's going to be a very good book. Yeah, so, I'm excited about it. Yeah, we were um, dragged into doing uh, another Watergate episode. Um, and I was like, can we just wait till Nick Bryant's book comes out <laughs> on it? Like, <laughs> yeah. What's interesting at the heart of Watergate is a CIA sexual honey trap. Yeah. Blackmail operation at the heart of it. And yeah. um, and I and I'm amazed that that has not entered yeah. the narrative. It's salacious. What, what, what gets me, what jumps out at me about the narrative of uh, of Watergate is I love that. Like when we were researching our re a recent episode, was that this young journalist straight out of the navy who's just a beginner uh, happens to meet this. Uh, Enigmatic, the senior, yeah. the senior spy, and the, and then the story we're expected to believe is that he he duped him into cooperating with his hard hitting journalism. It's like, 
Come on, man. <laughs> Are you really that narcissistic to think that you were the special one in the relationship between you and uh, what's his name there? Yeah. Actually, uh, Deep Throat was a composite, but I uh, uh, Mark, if you go uh, to my Mark, website uh, and yeah. read uh, Boulder Dash Bob and Deep Throat, I really deconstruct it. Yeah. Um, and I, I show that Mark felt, although Mark felt, I'm right. sure he provided information to uh, Woodward, did not provide the most damaging information. And plus, Mark felt, I get a kick out of this. Yeah. He had been fired six months before uh, he into uh, the Watergate reporting. So so Woodward um, was supposed he was supposedly dry. Mark felt would drive by Woodward's place. And if Woodward had the flower pot. Yeah. Out. <laughs> right. Love this. So but he had been fired for six months. Uh, and pr prior to I think that, yeah, the last was November. So I think he was fired in in May, June or May. So we're to believe now that Mark Felt drove in from Virginia every day looking at <laughs> Bob Woodward's um, yeah. patio. And the thing about it is Bob Woodward's patio faced a courtyard. So <laughs> you would have to get out of the car and walk into conspicuously walk into someone's yard. Yeah. No, no. Well, it was more than that. You had to climb some fences. I mean, it, it yeah. was. Um, That's crazy. Uh, it was pretty bizarre, yeah. What a narcissist Bob Woodward is. <laughs> Bob Woodward is a spook, and he's yeah, done yeah, very well sure. as a spook. And but and Carl Bernstein is an ethical eunuch. Well, Bob Woodward is too. <laughs> but um, I think that their day is coming. I, I really do. Yeah. There's just they just. I mean, they told lies when they didn't even need to tell lies. Yeah, that's yeah. what surprised me about those two guys. Is right. that, uh, they never thought there would be a bunch of autistic guys online checking their work either. <laughs> like, <laughs> later. But all the good guys in Watergate, I mean, John Dean is a lying sociopath, and so is Alexander Haig. These are the good guys yeah. of yeah. Watergate. Right, the guys right. that saved us from Nixon and his unholy minions. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank God. Yeah. Um, it's just so funny that it's just it, it, something we've been talking about lately is like the fact that like the media as we know it is just like sort of it's whatever the CIA sort of like allows to be essentially they build the narrative and then the journalists pick, pick up the pick up the the cues and go, OK, we're just going to fill on fill in all the lines here pretty so much. What, what's your take on, on this, Nick? I, I, I feel like I've heard Nixon himself say that, oh, well, look, I just wanted to, I just wanted to end the war in Vietnam. Do, do you think that, that, there's, that there's something to that, that that was his real... Because I think you can do whatever you want with the fiscal policy or whatever within a certain regions and the, and the CIA doesn't care. But if you start... Into, if, maybe, I know he escalated the war, but maybe that was him just trying to save himself i think that's what he was is trying to portray what do you think what happened that? there was uh nixon had been a cold warrior for a number of decades he yeah. had actually been on the the uh, house on un-american on right. activity mccarthy yeah. and um so he was firmly in the dominion of the hawks yeah and he had kind of come to the realization that that didn't work right so 
When on his first day of the presidency, he issued National Security Memorandum 2, I believe it's called. And basically what he said there is that the CIA, the State Department and the Department of Defense will act, will have no uh, will have actually no ability or, or no responsibility in his geopolitical moves. Wow. Um, he, he, he completely Based. cut them out. Right. Wow. So he had to go, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so because what he wanted to do, he was doing strategic arm limitation talks with the Russians, and he was opening up China, reproachment with China. Yeah. So he uh, he just X'd out the CIA, the Department of Defense, and the State Department. And, right. And actually, it was the Joint Chiefs of Staff that Six ways from had Sunday. an espionage ring against him. And it was called the Moore Radfer affair, and the and the, the administration eventually caught on to this espionage ring against Nixon, and they stopped it. But then at that point, the CIA just been infiltrating his administration, very much like the last scene of Scarface when the Bolivian drug lord sends yeah. all the assassins. To, I mean, that's how it yeah. was with the CIA and yeah. uh, and Nixon. <laughs> and but it's funny they they let him open up China because that the. Their friends in the banks could make bank off that. Yeah, but they don't want them cutting into the defense spending. Uh, well, Nixon told Russia on. that he was willing to relinquish uh, Vietnam, right? If uh, Russia was willing to engage in strategic arm limitation talks, I think that that was uh, one of the things that, I mean, just his complete uh, refusal. To yeah. listen to the the CIA or the State Department, or the Department of Defense, yeah. uh, and and the thing about it is, Kennedy had been assassinated in 1963, and by 1968, that Warren Commission report had come out. Yeah, and and the amount, the number of, I think the number of Americans that believed in a conspiracy was up to like almost 80 percent at that point. Yeah, <laughs> I believe that. Yeah, I mean, and and despite all the mainstream media that has shown us how the magic bullet had seven entry points and yeah. it's still pristine. Um, still, I think 62% of Americans believe that it was a conspiracy. Yeah. So uh, America, didn't Americans know too much about ballistics to fall for that. Yeah. Of, <laughs> Good point. <laughs> yeah. Americans are fond of their guns for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, that's, that is so funny. Um, about uh, about Nixon, yeah, he was based. I guess he really was just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that. I mean, it yeah, was really no, I crazy. It just, but, I mean, um, it is a bit. Oh, for sure. But I think it is. It's very funny to hear you say those things, because um, I know anything that comes out of your mouth, Nick, is true. Um, and uh, it's just so funny the way that the media and I mentioned before, like the framing of these people, these figures, I should say, in history is like, yeah, this paranoid psycho who sent the FBI after John Lennon. Like he yeah. was that paranoid. He had to send them after John Lennon. Um, that's like, that's, that's what you, like, if you Google Richard Nixon, that's what comes up. Like, yeah. Not that he was, you know, uh, not, um, national security, uh, memorandum two. Yeah. Well, it's well, like, it's go ahead. Go so ahead I was sorry. just going to say, going back to program to kill the way, uh, McGowan presents that book, the information in that book is, it's kind of like a rhythm. So he, he's, he's a, this guy, uh, did this line of work and then he went into the, 
Air Force in Germany, and then he went into hospital and he got discharged with full benefits. You keep hearing the same thing over and over again. They don't want you hearing that, you know, Nixon got uh, got rid of for, yeah, Kennedy got, got rid of for threatening uh, the military budget. Nixon got the same. And then and you could say, well, he, his got, apologists the, would say the same thing about Trump. The CIA got very lucky with Watergate. Yeah. And what's kind of interesting, there were two break-ins and the Watergate, the Democratic National Committee was on the eighth floor of the Watergate and the Federal Reserve Board was on the sixth floor. Or no, no, the Federal, yeah, the Federal Reserve Board was on the eighth floor, the DNC was on the sixth floor. And McCord, who led the burglars, mm. um, at midnight walked in and signed into the Federal Reserve Board. <laughs> and and the security guard was brain dead. I mean, he really was. Had I to get be. into that in the, in the book. And he just let him sign in. And then they did it again. And they were worried that he was going to be too brain dead again. So McCord had a guy named uh, Alfred Baldwin call uh, a, a, a D.C. cop who was also an intelligence officer named Carl Schaffler to say, OK, now you guys got to arrest him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because... Had they just left it to that security guard, then nothing ever would have happened. That's right. nuts. And that's yeah. like that moment, and we've all seen the crappy movie uh, starring Robert Redford, where it's like a you know, it's a big dramatic scene where like they're cuffing the 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 Watergate yes. burglars and stuff, and it's like, no, I don't think that is how it happened. <laughs> uh, well, what's interesting with that is the burglars had there were there were a couple of different things going on with Watergate, but the burglars had their photography equipment set up on the desk of a woman named Maxie Wallace. She was the secretary at the DNC. And in her desk was an album of prostitutes. And Democratic big shots would come in and look at the album, and then they would pick out a prostitute. And then the prostitutes were at Columbia Plaza, which was an upscale apartment building. Wow. And that place was wired for audiovisual blackmail. So the burglars had their equipment set up on Maxie Walls's desk. And one of them, Eugenia Martinez, had a key to the desk where she kept the album of prostitutes. That's crazy. Um, so and the FBI withheld that information for years. Yeah. yeah. And wh when did years. they when did they disclose that? Um, I'm not exactly sure. It's in Jim Haugen's um, secret agenda. OK. Um, and I don't know exactly how we got it, but um, but he did get it. Yeah. Right. What 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 do you make of the FBI accidentally leaking the uh, accidentally including the McMartin's preschool tunnel plan in with the uh, finders papers in with the finders papers? And what do you make of them even releasing all that? That was pretty bizarre, although the finders had been pretty heavily sanitized. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was that FBI agent who was basically called Ramon Martinez a liar. Right. Ramon Martinez was the <clears throat> U.S. Customs agent that wrote that really, really bizarre, horrific report on the finders. And yeah. and she basically called Ramon Martinez a liar. The psychological no tricks. Lie. 
I mean, yeah. he had he had no reason to lie when he wrote that. I mean, why would why would he write something that bizarre? Right. Yeah. Um, he, Wait, so, he wasn't psychotic. He wasn't on hallucinogens. I mean, that whole thing is uh, so. The I feel like he was somewhat head- conservative in his assessment of it. Like the, there's certain parts of it that led me to believe that the the facility that he had it, that they'd gone to in D.C. there, the warehouse, it seemed to me like that was also possibly rigged up audiovisual for blackmail, possibly. Yes, um, it's I'm speculating. Uh, the finders, the, the finders um, it's there. There's still a lot of unanswered questions about the finders. Right. Yeah. Um, but like, Mario uh, Petty had done uh, a wonderful job of infiltrating various left-wing organizations, yeah. and that's it. And in a time when the CIA was funding both left and right yeah. organizations, Marion yeah. Petty. Uh, in in those, I I am something of a finder scholar myself. I read through every page of that FBI disclosure. That kind of got me on the on the Nick. The on the fast track to Nick Bryant land actually was reading all that. Um, but uh, what's it called? I um, I noticed in there, and not many people bring this up, but Marion Petty was um, he chaired, I have it written here, he chaired a, an organization called uh, some the Cubans for 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 patriotism or something, and he was in. It says in the CIA documentation, or sorry, FBI documentation, that he had something to do with getting uh, Lee Harvey Oswald into Cuba. Marion Petty. It says there. It's, it's disclosed in the uh, in the Finders papers. It's uh, the the Finders had a lot of tentacles. Yeah. I did a show, <laughs> uh, a podcast, uh, about a month and a half ago on the Finders. And um, we looked at a number of different dimensions of the finders. The finders was was quite the octopus. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, t- one of the things that really sticks in my head about that about that uh, customs report is that he mentions that oh yeah, they had a full report on the arrest that happened in Florida last night. Yeah, from the telex, they got it, a yeah. telex uh, like sort of BBS forum uh, relation uh, from the guy who was in the van actually. Yeah, yeah, they were very high tech. Um, there's, uh, there's so much more about the finders that I would like to know, and and a lot of other people that know about the finders would like to know. That uh, document dump of finders documentation, uh, it, unfortunately, it was extremely sanitized. But right. that's, but it's kind of interesting. You got to play cryptograms a little bit. Well, the fact that it was released shows that a lot of people have become aware of the finders. Yes. Yeah. And that it was a preemptive strike before it wended its way into the mainstream media. Yeah. And you you kind of, you start to, it makes you start to see the, the overall pattern. It's that you can see why the, it's a way of squelching it, isn't it? Because like you, People start to, because it, and the fact that they left that signpost to the McMartin preschool in it, and that that it's like the um any sort of signpost to is it what's his name Michael Aquino and stuff like Michael that. Michael Aquino, I, I, yeah, yeah. It's like how he I did was a involved. podcast on McMartin. Yeah, 
I don't think I've heard that one. With Ross Chait, and um, he spent years looking into McMartin. Yeah. And uh, he's a professor, political science professor at Brown University. But it, it's, and and it, he definitely shows in his book, he, he takes a look at a lot of the uh, child abuse scandals and calls it the witch hunt narrative. Um, but there were definitely children that were sexually abused. What do you make are. of um, Nathan Greenberg? He has a concrete connection between McMartin and uh, and the Finders because he was uh, he advised the uh, prosecution of the uh, or he sorry he advised the defense of the McMartins uh, and you know sort of provided the uh, the the implanted memories explanation. Uh, and then also after that, he w was consulted uh, with the Florida um, Health and Human Services uh, Inquisition into the kids' well-being after being taken away from the from the van. And he, even though there were um, like medical doctors who were at were saying that uh, that the kids had physical evidence of being sexually abused or two of the kids specifically. Um, yeah, there were two. There was a doctor that said two of them had been abused. Right. Um, and but Greenberg what, was the de facto sort of like, nope, I'm the authority on it. And that I just thought it was very, very telling that it was the same guy between the Finders and the McMartin. It's almost like he was deployed like as a cover guy. Yeah, he's the go to guy. What's interesting is some of these guys just keep showing up like Jolly West um, yeah. shows up and uh, well, the, was M the MLK assassin uh, thing. He was the uh, he advised on. So um, actually, it was uh, Jack Ruby. It was it both, was Jack I believe. Ruby. Both, I believe. And, uh, yeah. And and he was in the scene with Manson. Um, he was he had an office in that clinic where Manson yeah. would, would hang out. And he was also on the board of the False Memory Syndrome Foundation, even though he has said that it's easy to implant memories into humans. The False Memory Syndrome Foundation said that that can that that the only way that uh, people the therapists have uh, the, the only way that people have memories like. Uh, ritual abuses if therapists put the memory in and um right. so it's kind of interesting that jolly west you know he was he was willing to say that he was capable of implanting memories but then he he went on the false memory syndrome foundation and then the, the cia said that it was impossible to plant memories john gittinger when he uh testified before the church, church commission yeah said uh you know we we can't implant memories and then jolly west shows up again in the false memory syndrome foundation there were uh two or three of those cia guys in the false memory syndrome foundation right that's crazy i know yeah it's, it's like guys like that it's like the the wolf that, that you know the harvey Keitel character in uh pulp fiction yeah yes they just get up. Oh, we we need a false memory guy. Yeah, come on in. And then not him, but this this lady sort of pick up the torch. There's a woman, I believe, who does that sort of uh, advising, and she um, consulted on like the Epstein trial and stuff. I don't remember her. I'm, I'm forgetting her name right now. But basically, she serves the same role as Jolly West in doing like to being like, oh, it's fake. They they made up what I think they were you're saying. Of uh, Margaret Singer. I, I think it is that. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 She's made uh, millions of dollars globe trotting, yeah, and uh, testifying at 
And a number of those false memory syndrome foundation people have. Uh, one of them, Harrison Pope, testified for Boys Town, uh, saying that there's no such thing as. Uh, oh, Nick, you love this. It's just yeah, I also, yeah. Um, right yeah. after finishing reading uh, your book, Nick, I uh, got a targeted Instagram ad for donate money to Boys Town. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings you back to the big brother. I read it in hard copy. I read the actual paperback. It was not like I was typing it into anywhere on my phone whatsoever. (laughs) It just shows you that Orwell underestimated that he didn't think you were going to buy your own telescreen and carry it around in your pocket everywhere. (laughs) Good old boys town. Yeah. He ain't heavy. He's my brother. They they sue everybody, but they didn't sue me. So that was kind of interesting. interesting. Yeah interesting you have receipts nick that's why (laughs) have you ever have you ever feared for your life because of this stuff because it like it does seem like think bad things have happened to people who've done less than you yeah troy bonner's brother there and alicia owen's Um, brother i uh you know i had that one death threat early on yeah you mentioned that in the book um, I mentioned the book, but then there's been a lot of strange phone calls over the years. I haven't had any recently, yeah. but, uh, there's been some other things that are pretty strange too. Um, but yeah, it's, I, well, you're talking that, to us uh, for one, that's pretty, pretty <laughs> out there. <laughs> What's interesting to me is that. I think I, I really went through very hard times financially um, yeah. after I published the Franklin scandal. And um, and I think that that dark malignant corner of intelligence said, well, we don't have to worry about Nick Bryan anymore. And then in 2015, I published Confessions of a DC Madam, The Politics of Sex, Lies and Blackmail. And I also put up Epstein's Black Book on the internet. So. And then yeah. the IRS knocked on my door shortly thereafter. Uh, <laughs> too funny. That, I mean, it's not funny. I'm sorry, actually. But that is, it's funny, not funny, haha, funny, weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think so, standard, standard operating procedure, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. The, uh, the IRS has been used as a tool quite a bit. Yeah. Right. So we should talk about Epstein because I know you, you've, uh, we, we, we're trespassing well, I, I just on the like time to, uh, at this point. Put in a plug for yes, please. Yeah, EpsteinJustice.com. At, at this point, the American people are not going to wake up without a little help. Yeah. And with Epstein, everybody in America knows that something stinks with Jeffrey Epstein. Everybody right. knows. Right. Yeah. And it was one of the memes of 2019. It's up to us to mobilize and and make sure that we drill. If you drill on Jeffrey Epstein and you you are into that issue, you will come across a cesspool that uh, that runs America. The cesspool that makes sure politicians create legislation that causes wealth polarization. The cesspool that makes sure uh, politicians pass laws that completely trample on our constitutional rights. Right. Yeah. That's cesspool. I think that that is the only thing that can wake people up. And plus, Jeffrey Epstein molested all these girls with impunity, him and his fellow perpetrators, for 25 years. Right. Yeah. And nothing has happened to the perpetrators. Nothing, nothing yeah. has happened to the perpetrators. I mean, some of them have given up millions of dollars, but you know, 
Citibank gives up, or JP Morgan gives up $290 million. That's not even going to dent JP Morgan. Yeah. Right. So with your listeners, I definitely ask them to check out our organization, EpsteinJustice.com. Yeah. And and to say to our listeners, think to yourself, why were those kids in McMartin Health uh, daycare in the first place? It's because their mothers had to go to work to because they're debt slaves because of the system we live in it's never going <laughs> to change yeah it's self itself it's ouroboros yeah ouroboros uh some friends of mine had a rock band when i was in high school called yeah. it's ouroboros. a cool name i gotta hand it to them for that yeah <laughs> I, but i, I think your band wasn't that good but uh hey, I was the name the was band. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're right that like the 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 Epstein thing in the public consciousness is the the loose corner of the sticker that where you can get hold of it and right. cleanly pull it off. That's and, what and I that's, believe, that's, and, and yeah. we we need more people to uh, join EpsteinJustice.com. Right. Um, we started a couple of months ago, and we're moving in the right direction. We just uh, we need some more people to come aboard. Um, we also need help with financing. Um, there's a, when you're starting a movement like we are, it's, uh, and actually Alicia Owen is one of the associate directors of Epstein Justice. When you're starting a movement like we are, it, it, it going up against the mainstream media and the government, um, it takes a tremendous amount of resources. But here's the thing, the civil rights movement did it. Yeah. Um, the gay rights movement did it. Uh, there's There's been a number of movements over the years that have stood up to the power and gotten things done. The women's rights movement, um, um, going back to the early part of the the, uh, the 20th century, the, the unions. Right, sure. uh-huh. unions, Dev, yeah. So, yeah. That's huge. I mean, that shaped, shaped I mean, the work week. Yeah. So, I mean, not to, not to uh, be a grouch over here, but literally all those movements you made were all infiltrated by intelligence. Yes, and Gloria Steinem literally was a CIA agent. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I've got some information on Gloria that uh, she said she was involved for two years, but it's kind of looking like she was involved for at least seven. Um, Interesting. In my next podcast, I'm going to talk a little bit about Gloria Steinem and her partner of nine years, Stan Pottinger. Yeah. who was one of the attorneys that helped cover up the Epstein. Now Epstein is in the is in the final cleanup phase, and they right. brought in someone really dirty and corrupt. His name was Stan Pottinger. Who, if you look at all the things that Stan Pottinger has covered up, he's like the Forrest Gump of cover-ups. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he, he, he helped cover up Wounded Knee, helped cover up Martin Luther King. He helped cover up uh, the assassination of Leterrier, I believe his name was, the uh, the Chilean ambassador in the United States whose car blew up. Oh, interesting. Um, he's been a busy, busy guy. He helped cover up COINTELPRO. Um, he's been he's been busy, and actually, he helped cover up. Uh, um, Richard Helms was busted lying um, to Congress, saying that the CIA didn't give any money to uh, uh, opponents of Salvador Allende. And also he said that 
and this is kind of interesting, that the CIA never conducted domestic surveillance. And he was outed on both those lies, but yeah. Stan Pine took care of it for us. Oh, yeah. What a guy. What a mensch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and now he, he was writing novels, and then he comes out of retirement to to work, to, to cover up Epstein. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. To cover up Epstein. And and that Epstein fund is uh it's very corrupt. Um I know two therapists who have clients who were molested. These and these are esteemed therapists. Their clients were molested by Epstein when they were under 10 years old. Oh man. Epstein at all. And um and they weren't allowed to get any of those funds. That's because absurd. the mainstream media and the government have settled that 14 years old was the youngest. Yeah, well, I mean that is part of the the thing, like the, the limited hangout. That's why you get to hear about Prince Andrew because that's a, a girl who was seventeen. Uh, yes. uh, uh, so it, they're like, it's yeah, limited hangout. Yeah, that's yeah. what it is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Coined by that? John Ehrlichman in uh, right. in in reference to Watergate, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Brings us back to Tricky Dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not it's very enough. funny. Ehrlichman and Hollerman and Nixon and Mitchell, they had no idea what hit them. Yeah. Yeah. It's you, you'll get to read about it in my book. I'm excited. And I want to tell your audience, Epsteinjustice.com. Right. Yes. Epsteinjustice.com. Well, thank you very Join much. Join us. Join us as we we march towards a better world. Yeah. Thank you, Nick. And really, sincerely, thank you for being on the on the side of good and I, yeah. I i know you've done i can't really imagine what you've sacrificed and been through to do this and so, but it's people like you and alicia owen who do even a jaded person like me you give us some hope that there are some good guys out there well i guess it's a good thing i'm a masochist yeah <laughs> it works it out for the universe yeah. nick yes there you are <laughs> you guys have a great night you yeah, too man thank you very much thank you man okay. bye and for us www.historyhomos.com or find us wherever you find podcasts uh we're also available on odyssey bitchute uh rumble and rockfin that's www.rokfin.com slash history homos and you get all of our video episodes there free just like youtube um or if you're feeling like you want to get more history homos content uh well, you can get access to once weekly bonus episode every Thursday just by signing up on our page there um, for a small monthly fee. And uh, so, yeah, other than that, uh, follows across social media at History Almost Pod. Uh, you can join us in our Telegram chat, uh, t.me slash History Homost chat. Um, and uh, yeah, die with dignity. William, is there anything else you want to say? epsteinjustice.com 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 later homos there's something happening here but what it is ain't exactly clear there's a man with a gun over there telling me i got to beware I think it's time we stop, children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down. There's bad lines.
Nobody's right if everybody's wrong. Young people speak in their minds. Are getting so much resistance from behind. Time we stop. Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down. What a field day for the heat. A thousand people in the street. Singing songs and a carrying signs. Mostly say hooray for our side. It's time we stop. Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down. Paranoia strikes deep. Into your life it will creep It starts when you're always afraid Step out of line, the man come and take you away We better stop, hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going now Stop, hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going We better stop now, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going